Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we're here every Thursday night to talk about the issues surrounding polygamy from the beginnings uh, up into what's going on in current events. Uh, before we get started on our interview tonight with our guest, I'd like to announce that uh, Michael and his wife, Dr. Lynn Wilder, are still in the area. They're fulfilling some speaking engagements as she discusses her new book, Unveiling Grace, which is the story of the Wilder family as they exited out of the Mormon religion. Uh, they faced all kinds of, of false accusations and emotional trauma and tremendous shunning by friends and neighbors as a result, but they also experienced a lavish pouring out of God's grace during that time. Um, Dr. Lynn Wilder will be at the following venues in the next few weeks, so check it out and go listen to her story. It's very fascinating. We're going to put them up on the screen for uh, the next uh, a few weeks of her speaking engagements and you can write them down if you're close to one of them. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday, November 16th, she will be speaking and doing a book signing at Sandra Tanner's Lighthouse Bookstore, uh, 1358 Southwest Temple from 1 to 5 p.m. And then Sunday, November 17th at 9 a.m., she'll be at the Lighthouse Church and School in Twin Falls, Idaho. And then Tuesday, November 19th at 6 p.m., the Utah County Outreach, and we normally announce this transition support group for people who are um, leaving and seeking truth in Jesus Christ instead of a religious slavery. And they will. she will be at 1144 West Columbia Lane in Provo. You can contact Lewis at way61hotmail.com for more information. Wednesday, November 20th, she'll be at Calvary Chapel in St. George at 7 p.m., Thursday, November 21st, she'll be at Southern Utah University at 7 p.m. Friday, November 22nd at 6 p.m., she'll be in the Berean Baptist Church speaking in Pioche, Nevada. And Wednesday, November 27th, Michael Wilder will be on Ancient Past Television Show here on KTMW TV 20 um, at 8 p.m. talking about this experience that they went through. So if you didn't get any of this, is a lot of information, but if you wasn't, wasn't able to get the location you're interested in, you can email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com and we'll be happy to send you the information from the email. You know, from the moment that Joseph Smith introduced polygamy into the Mormon culture, there are innumerable documented historical accounts of lying about the polygamy and deceit and abuse and coercion, women stolen from the arms of their sweethearts and married off as plural wives to men who already had too many wives and children. There was incest and blood atonement and other crimes against humanity that polygamists have been guilty of through the decades. 
thousands of lives have been ruined, the childhood stolen from too many children, boys as well as girls, and the threat of hellfire and damnation to all who don't bow the knee to their polygamous God who is ever and forever greedy for more and more polygamous wives to give him more and more children so that he, the polygamous male, being a God in embryo, can have power and authority over worlds without end in their mythical celestial kingdom. That is the story of Mormon polygamy as introduced and practiced and taught by Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and other early Mormon polygamists as well as today's polygamy groups. Tonight we have as our special guest a young man who was born and raised under this polygamous doctrine. He could be placed in the category as a former lost boy of the FLDS polygamy group. His story is interesting and sad as we hear and learn more about the horrifying behavior and results of Joseph Smith's polygamy in our culture. So to get on with our interview, I would like to introduce and welcome our special guest tonight, Carlos Holm. Hello. Hello, Doris. How are you? Good evening. It's nice to have you here. It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, thanks for being willing to share your story. You've got a good story to share with us. So you were born and raised in the FLDS polygamy group. And yeah. was this in the Colorado City Hilldale area or another compound? Yes, everyone that is an FLDS is born in Hilldale. There is a small hospital up there for all the kids. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So when people say they're from Colorado City or Short Creek or Hilldale, it's all the same town. Mm, yeah, just, it is. It's just very very small, different sides of the border. Yeah, so. it's just the border runs right through the town, and, uh -huh. and because it's in different states, they just have yeah. different names for it. That's true. Okay. It's all the same town, the same culture, and the same people. So. Mm -hmm. Who was the leader of the group when you were born? It was Warren Jeff's dad, uh, Roland Jeffs. He was our prophet at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, he died in 2002, and then so I was... I was about 13 when he died, so I had 13 oh. years of of, of memories of having a semi-normal life. <laughs> a semi-normal. <laughs> before Warren life. Jeffs ruined the whole town. So when 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 Warren Jeffs became the leader, uh, things began to change. And at first, the changes were kind of gradual, but then they started kind of to accelerate rather dramatically, and he started to rule with an iron fist. Would you compare, since you were 13 when that change took place, you can remember, what it was like in the group before and then after Warren Jeffs? Yeah, the difference, the difference would be, for example, in the, in the school that I went to. I was in a public school that, that had a really good curriculum. They had certified teachers, and I was top of my class at the time, and then I got put into a private school under Warren Jeff's order and instead of learning math, English and science we started learning priesthood history and teachers history and morning class and and then there was about an hour of, of PE, physical exercise and uh, So it was all just religious history and then Yeah, it was brainwashing. So, so there was no actual academics being taught? But that there was very minimal. I mean I was learning times tables in third grade in public school and then when I switched, started going to Warren Jeff's private school in fourth grade, all the way through eighth, the mathematical teachings that they had was barely hitting the times tables again by the time I got to eighth grade. Wow. It was a complete waste of time. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
What else would you compare the before Warren Jeffs took over and after he took over? How would you compare the living arrangements and conditions and just um, the general atmosphere of the town? The town was awesome when I was a kid. It, it was equivalent to living in the 70s. We had a lot of a lot of kids with bikes and toys, and there wasn't there wasn't the the mentality of staying at home and watching TV. Uh -huh. There was everybody was out doing stuff, having fun, and and uh, then when Warren Jeffs came along, he slowly changed it by saying that it was God's will, obviously, uh -huh. and took away people's rights one right at a time. Um, back in the 80s, the FLDS used to choose their their spouses, but then it became arranged marriages, and then. And Warren Jeffs, he wouldn't let, allow anybody to choose their own spouse, right? No, in fact, it was punishable by excommunication if you chose your own wife. Or, or if you were even caught, if a boy and a girl were yeah. caught together, or even, or talking, even talking to each other yeah. in some cases. Even talking. Yeah. We were told as little kids to treat the girls like snakes. I've heard that <laughs> before. Isn't that awful? Yeah, the running joke among the little kids, the boys, was uh, chop their head off with a shovel. <laughs> oh! But that was what we what we talked about when we were little kids. How so. did that affect you as you grew into up into <laughs> puberty and you know and you start getting interested in the girls? How did that affect you when you had been taught that? Is it Well it's Yeah, I, I still have a hard time dating because when you're built with a foundation that's just completely wrong, yeah. even no matter how smart you are, it's still in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. You need to unlearn to a lot of things when yeah. you when you come out of something like that. So now you're twenty three years old. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you left? I was 18. I had turned 18 about a month previous, and then I ran away. Okay, so that's that's how you got out was by running away. What were the circumstances that led up to your deciding to leave, and and that you had to run? Did were you forced out? Did you leave voluntarily? Um, um, I I'd been working so many jobs, and my dad was so abusive to me, and I was trying to follow Warren Jeffs because I believed that it was right. I was brainwashed. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I left is because I had done every single thing that I was told and I still failed. And so I gave up and I just walked away. And you know, you're leaving behind everybody that you know, you're leaving behind your family, mm -hmm. and you're literally, at the time, I believed that I was going to hell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have a choice between right. choosing the celestial kingdom or choosing to go to hell, and it, it's not really a choice, it's right. blackmail. Yeah. So well, it's, it's spiritual <laughs> it blackmail, really that's for sure. Um, so. So you chose to leave because you couldn't live up to their standards. Is, exactly. Is that, is that, and you didn't have any, actually any freedom of choice anyway uh, based on what their rules and laws were. Did you have a place to go when you left? Yeah, I, I had a place. Uh, Jeremy Johnson had set up a home for lost boys at the time. Uh-huh. And I lived there for a few months. Um, were there a lot of lost boys there in that Yeah, there was home? about a dozen of us wow. in one house. So. And so you probably knew everybody when you oh were yeah, there. Yeah. You were probably slapping that each other on, on the back. Welcome, for <laughs> <laughs> welcome out. You know. <laughs> yeah, I have about two hundred boys and girls my age within a year of me that I know personally. Wow, it's so only a small age. part of them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your father. Uh, there's there's a lot of people uh, maybe who don't realize that living in a polygamy group doesn't always guarantee that a man is a polygamist. Oh, yeah. That people can live in the group and uh, and not have multiple wives. And one reason for that is because there's not enough girls to go around. Exactly. So obviously somebody's going to be short. Uh, was your father a polygamist? 
no, my father was not was not a polygamist because he was he wasn't high enough up in the church. He didn't donate enough money, and he didn't write enough letters, so he was always a monogamist. Hmm. And in our culture, they looked down on them as they weren't living up to the laws of God, so I was always shamed on for my dad only having one wife. Yeah. And in fact, even two wives wasn't good enough. It was, it was a minimum of three because the way Warren just described it is your wives were like a will. You got to have starting out with a triangle, uh-huh. and then it gets bigger. That uh-huh. was his, that that was his, his version of, of reality. So. so so you were kind of like second-class citizens in the group because your father was a monogamous. Exactly. How did your mother feel about it? She always prayed that my dad would get more wives. <laughs> she wow. believed it too. How many children did she have? Um, my parents were married for eight years, and my mom couldn't have kids. And so I was born eight years after they were married, and then I, and then I had uh, three younger sisters after that. Wow over the years. Wow, okay. So you have three younger sisters, so there was four in the family. Now, what about your father? You said that your, that, that your father was abusive. Would you talk about the, some of the abuse that you feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. about and the violence that he uh, took out on you? Well, for example, it started out with my dad forcing me to go to work with him because I would stay around town and get in trouble and ride my bike all over and you know, all my uncles and aunts would always have problems with me and along with all the other boys in town. Uh-huh. So my dad started out by forcing me to go to work when I was a kid and I'd just work out of town with him doing flooring and and during the school year, you know, I'd I'd be busy in school and then my dad would take me to work on the weekends or even pull me out of school a lot to go to help to go help him on jobs and uh I worked for him from when I was about nine years old till I was fourteen. Uh-huh. And then I got a real job because my dad wasn't, wouldn't pay me, so. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you got a job that paid you. Yeah. But he was rather a, an abusive father in some pretty violent ways. Do you want to talk about any of that? Yeah. Um, at the time, I had, didn't understand what was going on, and he, he, would, uh, <laughs> he would always kick me out of the house if I didn't obey, if I didn't wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and read sermons with the family or read sermons at night or do what he told me like wash the dishes or little things and I felt like I was entitled to time off because I was working construction you know six days a week and Mm -hmm. I was always fighting him and so I definitely had a you know (laughs) (laughs) my dad definitely beat me a lot so I've been kicked out of the house about 50 times I've slept outside (laughs) yeah yeah in fact you said that you slept outside even in the middle of winter in the snow all night yeah a few times times all night long what did you do those nights well you sneak into the shed or sneak into the van or something <laughs> and didn't your father care that you were out there in the cold he always came looking for me but he wouldn't let me come back in the house he just made sure that I wasn't running off or something so <laughs> when you break the rules of, of God you know it's pretty bad so the punishments were always pretty bad too yeah, I know. I, I suffered some of the violence myself as I was growing up, but I was never kicked out to sleep outside in the snow. That's one thing they didn't do. Um, you said that they they would put cayenne pepper on your tongues and, and that yeah. kind of thing for his punishment. They had a few punishments, like they'd whip you with a belt, put you in a cold shower, put cayenne on your tongue. Um, my cousins got starved if they snuck into the food. Um, uh, and it was because they were poor. It wasn't because they were vindictive people. Yeah. Um, they just had to follow certain rules, and 
-hmm. that was part of their culture. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the culture. Okay. Uh, now you talked about uh, being a child laborer. That that is one of the the complaints a lot of people have about, especially the FLDS, but all the polygamy groups do that. They take yeah. their little small children, their younger children, and they put them to work in their businesses, and it's cheap labor. Uh, yeah. And I've talked with several young men from the FLDS who um, have were taken out at 10, 11, 12 years old to work on heavy equipment, actually operate heavy equipment out yeah. at construction sites. Yeah, even younger. Yeah, or younger than that. I've seen a five-year-old driving a loader, a D8 loader. A five-year-old? A big one, yeah. His I wonder how long his father trained him to, before he was able to do that. Well, the, the kids earn the privilege to operate heavy equipment. Wow. And, and the ones that do, their dads obviously have a company. They don't just... They're let anyone do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So uh, did you operate some of the heavy equipment when you were young? Yeah. I've driven quite a few things. <laughs> yeah? I've driven uh, Bobcats. Um, biggest thing I've driven was a D8 lo uh, loader. Um, I've driven a dump truck. I've driven a semi-truck. Um, and how young were you at the time that you were doing this? This was all before I was 18. Just oh. during my teens, mostly. When Did the officials ever come in and find out about this and offer? No, the to town. The town's out in the middle of nowhere, so nobody cares. <laughs> nobody people, cares. people know that it's been going on for years and years and years. Yeah. So uh, the, I'm surprised somebody doesn't at least check up on it. Uh, Warren Jeffs made the made the remark in one of his sermons that the children had to be better than their parents. Mm -hmm. Now, what? Why do they have to be better than their parents? And what would happen if they weren't? Well, Warren Jeffs was trying to raise an army of, of young children, so he would say the young and the middle-aged would redeem Zion, which would mean would build his city. So he didn't want the old people, he, or the, even their parents. He, he wanted the kids to overcome their parents, but at the same time he said, honor your parents, so it was confusing to me. But he wanted kids to follow him perfectly to the T so that he could create a, a new... He, he wanted 500 faithful followers, families, 500 families. I wonder if he's ever read the history of Hitler. That sounds vaguely. <laughs> he has. He's definitely yeah. read quite a few of Hitler's books and used a lot of his tactics to, yeah. to lead those people. So. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So when they say that the kids have to be better than the parents, who, go, who judged that? Did he judge that? Was it? Yeah. Warren Jeffs said that he would come and get you himself if you, would, if you qualified for, for, hi, for his agenda. Did he actually put together an army of kids? I mean, did that actually take place? Um, he never actually was able to. He was caught quite a, like four years after he started, uh, after he took over. Um, but he was trying to, he was trying to build a compound down in Texas, and he would handpick mm -hmm. people from Colorado City. Right. And and people would disappear in the middle of the night, and it wasn't ever a kid disappearing. It was always their mom, and then a few of their kids. And then there are other kids that didn't qualify would be left with the dad or it, it was just anybody that he wanted he could get them in yeah. the middle of the night nobody would ask questions and and in fact they moved a lot of homes a, lo a lot of people they moved around town to hide from the fbi when they were looking for warren and uh -huh. also to confuse the the flds people to to not notice who was missing to not to wow. not see who was gone wow Quite tactics he used, it yeah. wasn't it? Um, now you mentioned about Zion. You know Brigham Young and Orson Pratt and Heber C. Kimball and a lot of the others 
uh, in the early Mormon polygamy movement, um, all taught and claimed that God was a polygamist. And Warren Jeffs, of course, has followed this leadership, and he also taught that God had had um, many wives. We learned that as well in the Kingston group. But he taught that the FLDS were the only ones on the planet who would be chosen in the last days to go into Zion, which you already mentioned that. Would you explain what Zion is to the FLDS? What is that? What yes, is Zion? the FLDS believe that they're going to build a city called Zion, uh-huh. streets paved with gold, and God's going to live there, and whatever they can fantasize, and they're going to have eternal life and a thousand years of peace. But first, they have to destroy all the wicked people before that can happen. And so, I'm not really sure if they believed that was real or how they were going to do it or if they were even going to try or, or if they were praying for the Lord to do it or what, but, wow. but so, that's still their fantasy. So so the, the wicked people may be destroyed by the FLDS people. Is that what might be? That's, that's what, that's the question. If the FLDS were attempting to do that or if they just prayed that God would do it. <laughs> what, what was he going to do with his army of 500? Well, he, he just wanted people to follow the celestial kingdom uh, rules of, of living plural marriage and like the whole united order of having a house that's, that's in order. Uh-huh. All of your children are obedient, your house clean, and your wives obedient. And that was their two major rules of, of being able to qualify to go to Zion was to have a perfect family. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was, for years, I was stressed out because if I didn't qualify to go to Zion, I was going to go to hell. Because my dad didn't have multiple wives, there's no way I could go around my dad either. So I was basically, you know, stonewalled, and so that's why I gave up and left. Is because I I actually didn't want to follow Warren, but he told us that if we didn't do it, we would die the second death, which which meant our souls would no longer exist. Uh And so he essentially blackmailed the whole city into following him or choosing death. But he would, like you left and you ran away, you became one of the lost boys, but th- but he actually um, advocated, if, if not put in a decree himself, that all the young boys at, at a given time were removed from the community and just left out on the streets and left under the underpasses and, and just uh, just put out of the, the community and the mothers and the fathers were to go after them and they were never to speak with them again. So how is he going to raise an army if he kicks out all the boys? Well, he, he, needs, he needs just a few good men. Just a few good men. <laughs> That's even one of their songs. <laughs> oh, is that right? And uh, from there, then they can brainwash their children. Because a lot of the AFLDS people had, had been saturated with the media through the public school in the past years. And so people like me and a lot of other lost boys, <laughs> they had been given a, a pretty good foundation of reality before Warren Jeffs came along. Yeah. And so that was one of the reasons he threw out a whole city full of kids. And he didn't actually just throw them out. He, he started making little rules like if your shirt is untucked or mm-hmm. if you don't button up your top button or if you talk to a girl or if you're out at night or if you drink alcohol or if you go to a movie or if you get caught with a novel or you play video games. or There's so many rules. And if you break a single one of those, you're out. he had a dictation that the time is short and there's no more time there's no room to repent and so he just booted people out left and right so he and used that as an excuse to uh-huh. for them to go because he knew that everybody wouldn't be able to keep all those rules yeah exactly yeah. so he set you up actually uh-huh. the FLDS males get priesthood at um, 12 years old yes and when they do it gives them authority over all females when that happens are they encouraged to continue to honor their mothers despite their priesthood authority over them and what does priesthood authority mean in the FLDS 
Uh, priesthood authority would, would mean that they have a power of God inside of them. And they were taught to respect their mothers, even though they had, you know, the power of God in them. Mm-hmm. And so when their mother told them to do something, they were supposed to obey it. But at the same time, they could take it to their fathers if they didn't like it. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and, of course, it's hard to say which father would, would back up. And, and, yeah. And Most of the time, the women had just as much power as, as the men. So. Okay. I have listened to some of Warren Jeff's um, sermons, some of his tapes, and in one of them he said that all the children in the FLDS belong to the priesthood, mm-hmm. belong to the priesthood, which means, and, and you know, what, one of the key words for polygamy is priesthood. The priesthood authority is polygamy, and so does that mean, was it your understanding, or does it mean that the children belong to polygamy? Yeah, that means the children... Through the priesthood, they belong to the church or and the they leader. Don't, they don't, so they don't belong to the parents. So therefore, the leader can just take the kids and do with them what he wants. Yeah, at any and he age. has, and he has. He's told underage girls to go and marry a man in Canada, and uh-huh. then that qualifies as international human trafficking. Right, exactly. And they don't look at it as that way. They look at it as a revelation from God to have this to, th- to have this worthy girl go and marry a faithful man, mm-hmm. and he happens to be in a different country. <laughs> yeah, and he did. He brought some Canadian girls down here to mm-hmm. for yeah. for that as well. Um, now you talked about the missionary work, which is totally different than the missionary work that most of us would think of. So, would you please explain what the FLDS missionary works that Warren Jeffs utilized, and what they did, why they did it, and how he recruited the missionaries? Well, he started out with taking all the priesthood men that were under the age of 18, and he would put them in, in uh, he, he would put them in the church on Wednesdays and Friday nights, and then they would delegate a group of four guys to go to each home, and they would have, every home would, would have a visit from the missionaries at least once, once a month, and these were homes inside the FLDS church. These were not missionaries going out to recruit people. Okay. These were people going inside FLDS homes to check and see if they were obeying Warren's dictations, and they would have these four boys under, under 18. They would go to whatever they were assigned to, and they would go in the home and have a prayer meeting and, and talk to the families for a good hour and a half sometimes, and they had a list of questions that they would read at the end of the meeting. So the boys would get up and, and have their, their testimonies and then the father would say his part and, and then they would ask very invasive questions like, are the children in the home at night? Are you throwing off the evil ways of Babylon? He would, he would compare the world as, as being evil as, evil as Babylon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would ask questions like, are your children being obedient? Are you following everything that you say? And a lot of the times he would get all this information from from each person, and, and he would choose who to kick out and who to keep based on based on that information on their answers. So actually, they were he called them missionaries, but they were really just spies. Exactly. Is that correct? Now, would one person, one missionary at a time, go in these homes, or more than one at a time? No, they were always in groups of three or four. Three or four mm-hmm. in each home, and did mm-hmm. they, the homes know they were coming to? Yes, do they this? were called. They were called uh, the day that it, that it was going to happen. Uh huh. The day. They weren't given a, a warning. They were called today. So a lot of the times, like if I was working in two hours away and the missionaries were coming, I had to find a ride home in the middle of the week. Wow. And and, and a lot of the boys that were part of the missionary program that were out of town, they had to also go back to town and, and then go back to work the next day, which is mm-hmm. you know a few-hour drive, and it was just, oh. it killed them. Yeah. <laughs> 
So they would. How long would they live in this home? Just for a day or for a week or no? They, they wouldn't days? live there. They would just have a meeting. Oh, and then ask all and, the and then ask them all these questions. Uh -huh. So they wouldn't stay there and watch them function as a no, family. No. Okay. So uh, it's interesting. He would call them missionaries. Yeah, he was. He was basically trying to find out who he could use and who he could call to, who he to, could to Texas. Who would be faithful mm -hmm. for, for his. Now, and that goes into the next question. Uh, did you know about the surveillance cameras that uh, have gone up on poles and buildings all over the city? Were you aware of that? And did you, were you ever an object of any of their surveillance? You or any of your friends? Or? Yeah, when I was on the inside, uh, the point of view that we had is that is that the devil was trying to stop the work of God yeah. and they were looking for the prophet. And so a lot of our guys, the FLDS, had, had cameras. They'd put them on a, on a brown light pole and then paint the camera brown. It was kind of hard to see. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning. And at first it was to protect. And then it evolved into controlling their members. Mm -hmm. So. And then and people that would drive in. In fact, I've driven through Colorado City several times myself. And you know, you get in there and you get 500 feet in in the town. All of a sudden, this truck is behind you, <laughs> following you everywhere you go. And that's part of the surveillance as, as watching the the visitors into the town. Yeah, and they they do that because that's all they have left. They don't have anything else to protect their town. They've got they've got Arizona State cops that have taken over their city, and so. All they can do is intimidate. They know that if anybody dies, uh, one person gets killed over this huge dispute, they're going to have the wrath of the government on them. There's going to so they they won't hurt anybody, but they'll just intimidate. They'll just watch you. Yeah, mm -hmm. they'll do and intimidation. That's true. Of course, yeah. intimidation is a big part of polygamy culture. Yeah. it's a huge part of it. Um, were there there? No, I don't have to ask. Were there? There was. There was a time when when Warren Jeffs ordered all the dogs in the community to be rounded up and killed. Uh, were you there at that time? And would you explain what it was all about? How did the dog owners react to that? And why did they do it? Well, it started because a little boy got killed by a, a pit bull Rottweiler mix. He was grabbed in the throat and killed. Ooh. And it wasn't actually Warren that, that dictated to get rid of him. It was it was uh, it was a suggestion by one of the leaders at the time, Fred M. Jessup. He said there will mm -hmm. be no dogs in heaven, and so the police took that as a literal order. Oh my! And so the police rounded up all the dogs and they killed a few hundred of them. Uh huh. And after that there was a law passed by the city council that there are no more dogs were allowed in town. And even recently people have still had their dogs killed that drive through. Is that are that not right? part of the church. They've had their dogs shot. So uh, somebody else will shoot them? Pulled over by an FLDS officer and shot Oh my the dogs. goodness. So don't go into, if you're going to travel to FLDS, <laughs> don't bring but. your dog with you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were still doing that. Wow, that's something. Okay, um, now your father was was a monogamous. Never he never did get another wife. He never did get another. Is that correct? Yes. Um, is he still looking for another wife? Is he still in the FLDS? Well, he stopped following Warren um, about a year ago, and because of that, my mom had to leave him and take my three younger sisters. So my mom lives with her sisters in a big house watched over by Lyle Jeffs, while my dad lives in his home that he's been in his whole life alone. And so he's trying to get me to go back with him, but I can't, 
adhere to his standards because I have my own life to live. Mm -hmm. And so he's lonely, and yeah, he's looking for another wife, but he's following a different man than Warren now. But the same the same religious standards. The same standards. So, uh -huh. so he, is he l looking for another wife? Would he still live polygamy if he had the opportunity? Um, it's possible. I believe that the polygamous group will continue on no matter who gets taken out. It's a virus. It's so, oh, it's worse than a virus. <laughs> it's, it's that invasive. Um, now, if you said that he's following another leader down there, so we have another prophet that's risen up in this kingdom down there. Who, who is this other prophet? Well, his name is William E. Timpson, and he gets confused a lot with William Jessup, who is a big bodyguard that used to work yeah, for Warren uh -huh, Jess. Mm -hmm. But his name is William Timpson, and he has he, he's a lot more mellow than Warren ever was, but at the same time, they still have the same culture. So mm -hmm, there's, mm -hmm. there's no excuse in what any of them do. There right. never will be. Right. And Ex exactly right. <laughs> right. So he's not as dictatorial as Warren Jeffs. No, he he was a he, he's a much kinder man. He would never destroy people's families, and in fact, he he helps people. He plays sports with them, mm -hmm. which hasn't been seen for ten years. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> How, does Warren Jeffs still rule the FLDS, the the his faithful followers from prison? Well, the way that Warren Jeffs set up his propaganda is he had everything recorded on tapes over the course of 10 or 15 years and then he gave all that data to the followers and so they listen to him on iPods all day in the homes so they can go through 60 gigabytes of audio of Warren Jeffs just talking and about how how his version of life is the yeah. Book of Mormon the Bible and just still being brainwashed over and uh -huh. over again with the same same stuff so the fact that Warren's in prison doesn't change anything they're gonna follow him and in fact it's it's dangerous you know because yeah. if, if anything happens to Warren a lot of the followers are gonna you know they don't they won't know what to do <laughs> a lot of people have been afraid that there might be a punch bowl you know what that means yeah yeah I do. do you think yeah. that that is something that would happen I believe there will be a few I don't think it'll be organized I think there will be a few of, of personal choice that believe yeah. that it's the end and I don't think it'll ever be organized. I hope not. I certainly yeah, do. I hope, hope not. so too. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're at our halftime here, where we have to, where we don't have to, but we are going to break and um, open up our telephone lines so that our viewers can get in the conversation. If you want to give us a call and ask any questions or make any comments uh, or ask our guest uh, any particular question, you're welcome to do so. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820-973-TV20. And as we're waiting for the phone calls to come in, we do have our uh, ministry message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, 
www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm Doris Hansen, your host for the program, and we are interviewing tonight Carlos Holm, a former lost boy from the FLDS Polygamy Group from the Colorado City, Hilldale, uh, Utah, uh, border towns of the Warren Jeffs polygamy group. You know, uh, Joseph Smith, of course, we all know was the source of Mormon polygamy, uh, and as the polygamy is practiced today by the polygamy groups, he claimed that it was a requirement from God, and Brigham Young followed the example, even uh, claiming that without polygamy the people would be damned and that the Mormon church would fail. And the Bible is dogmatic about false prophets and false prophecies. God warns us against them. Uh, Jesus also warned us against false prophets, and Jesus told us that by the fruits of the false prophets, we would recognize them. Well, Joseph Smith's polygamy for salvation was a false prophecy, and the fruits are today's polygamy groups. These polygamy groups all claim that Joseph Smith is their prophet. They follow him. They embrace him as their prophet. They are the fruit. And Jesus said, a bad root cannot produce good fruit. God also warned that if someone claimed to be a prophet and gave even as much as one false prophecy, he really was not a prophet of God at all and should be rejected. Both Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, under God's own instructions, are to be ignored and be disqualified as prophets of God. Um, and that is something that the polygamy groups, as they embrace and follow Joseph Smith's teachings, if you would recognize that, it would not be as difficult to leave as it is for some people who, who get out of there. You're not going to be damned by God if you leave, because it never came from God to start with. Okay, our telephone lines are open. Our number is 801-973-TV20, 801 is is um, a big deal in our culture made of testimony, uh, where a person's testimony about what they believe is very important. Um, was a testimony expected or required by the FLDS people? Was it required of the members? And if so, how are you to get it? How are you to have a testimony? How did you get one? When I was a little kid, I was told to pray to get a testimony. And 
I always ask my mom, what does God look like? How am I supposed to pray if I've never seen what he looks like? I don't know who I'm praying to or why. And I was confused. And a testimony is, is always a personal it's achievement. So. Right, right. So did you ever get a testimony of the FLDS, of Warren Jeffs as a prophet or anything like that? No. At the time, I believed in God. And then I started listening to Warren Jeffs and I was informally blackmailed into everything that I believed. Yeah. But I never had a testimony, no. So you never really believed that Warren Jeffs was a true prophet and that polygamy was really a truly from God and the FLDS was truly God's kingdom? Oh, I really believed it, but I didn't want to. Ah, okay. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I was for a while, but then it, it came to the point as I grew older, and I was 18 when I left, and, and as I grew in t close to the age of leaving, I just couldn't buy it. I couldn't buy all this. I just saw too much hurt and too much pain um, and too much violence, actually, you know, because I was, I was abused as well as you were. Uh, so you didn't really get the testimony. As your transition, uh, when, when we come out of this kind of a culture, uh, we have been brainwashed, obviously, and it's a mindset. It's a, a, a polygamy think process that they, they put into you. Um, when you transitioned to mainstream society, how difficult or not difficult was that? What was the most, the most difficult thing you faced that you can remember? Well, I was a great worker. Um, I was good at managing my money. I got a car. I had perfect credit in the first few months after I left. But then I went and worked for a, a former FLDS, and he cheated me out of eight months' pay. Oh, my goodness. And, and now I've been on a downhill decline. I've been homeless 19 times. Wow. I've just started my 22nd job after I left six years ago. Wow. And I'm about $50,000 in debt. And it was because even though I had great credit when I left and I was doing awesome, it was just because I didn't stand up for myself. I, I was working for somebody that was family and I just didn't get anywhere after that. Do you find that it's difficult to stand up for yourself coming out of a community like that? Or no, culture like I, that? I, don't, I don't have a confidence problem with people. I have more of a a social problem. I I don't know how to interact. <laughs> right. Interact normally. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. That I hear that from a lot of people that come out of polygamy groups. That's certainly true. Well, we have some phone calls here, so let's uh, let's go to them. Uh, we have on line one Jonathan from Salt Lake City. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Hi, I'm uh, calling because um, I was wondering if we could talk about uh, a recent event that happened in Colorado City where uh, the businesses were closed down very suddenly, um, including the grocery store and the hardware store and the radio shack and Chula Vista. And what was it that caused those events? Um, and how were the people treated that were employed there? Uh, and, and what happened uh, What happened since then to those businesses and those people? Do you know about that? Um, I, I know exactly why they were closed down, but uh, it's part of an investigation and uh, they haven't had any evidence or results yet. But they were closed down because they were committing crimes and they were getting scared because the FBI has been trying to to stop it for years. There, there's been a federal investigation going on for quite some time. I believe so. So the people, the, they, the, the, the people close the businesses themselves or did the community do it or did the law do it? Close them down? The people did it. The, people the, did the it. FLDS did it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, line two. Okay. On line two, we have Pat calling from Roy. Hello, Pat. Hello. Yes, you're on the air, Pat. Do you have any questions or comments? 
Great. Thank you, Pat. Did you have any comments or questions you wanted to say directly to him? No, I was going to ask what he's doing now, but he, he got into that a little bit before I got on the line. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your call. It's encouraging. I'm sure it's encouraging. Thank you. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> now, you did mention, uh, actually before during the break, that um, you're writing a book. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Or you want to write a book, but you need some help. Would you... Well, I have an episodic memory, and so r the hardest part about writing a book is to describe everything that happened, and then I have to organize all of that. It's not, the difficulty is not actually writing the book. Uh -huh. And so I, I kind of need someone to help me that I, can, that I can tell the story to, and then they can type it for me. And, and kind of put but it all together. So if yeah. there's anybody out there who wants to help him tell his story, um, Maybe you could give him a call. You can contact TV at aboutpolygamy.com, and we'd certainly be happy to, to um, forward them on to you. But that would be good. I think the stories need to be written. They need to be published. They need to be put out there, just like we put them on the show, so that people will know that, that polygamy groups um, really are not, um, you know, never, never land like some of the, the pro-polygamy shows make a sound. Okay, uh, we have another call here. Vern calling from Layton. Hello, Vern. Hello. You're on the air. Uh, my uh, question was, is, is this Jeremy Johnson the one from St. George, or is he uh, another Jeremy Johnson? And uh, I just, uh, I didn't catch the first part of your program tonight. I'm just wondering if he does have a personal relationship with God now, and, and I wish him the best in his endeavors. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Uh -huh, thank you. Jeremy Johnson, you had mentioned him earlier. Yes, Jeremy Johnson is the same one that's been in the news recently. He had a house that all of the Lost Boys lived in for, uh -huh. for a while, and then it got shut down because of fraud and other things. So. Yeah, yeah, I read that. I just grieved over that. that, that when, I, when I read that, I thought, they've gone through so much already, you know, and then, the, then this comes along, and uh, they're just... There just um, there's some to be some end to it sometime. But anyway, uh, I hope that answers your question, Vern. Um, so you've, you've transitioned out. You're still you're still going through some difficulties as you as as you kind of get yourself situated into society. Um, I have a question about uh, a cultural thing again. It's called the word of wisdom. Now, I, the, of course, the Mainline Church follows the Word of Wisdom. The Kingston Group, which is the one I came from, they follow it fanatically. Um, the FLDS, do they follow the Word of Wisdom, or is it kind of a do, do it if you want and you don't have to? Yeah, the Word of Wisdom is just a suggestion, and it's kind of ignored. Oh, a, lot of the, a lot of the men drink beer in secret, and they all drink coffee. So Yeah? <laughs> it's just the culture. It's never really been a law. Yeah. 
Okay, so so it's not something that the that they force you to do, and you're not lesser of a person if you drink coffee, and 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 it's an interesting thing too because they call it the word of wisdom, and and yet in that wisdom, tea is good for you. Coffee has been known to to test out to be good for people, and and we know Coke isn't, but you know in in the word of wisdom, you can't drink coffee and tea, which is good for you, but you can drink Coke. So there's no wisdom in that. Um, so. Do the FLDS embrace Brigham Young's teachings um, that some sins require the shedding of the person's own blood? Do they follow? I know Warren Jeffs has talked about it. Do you know anything? Has there any, been anything like that that you're aware of that's taking place? Um, blood atonement is a very vague, very vague subject because a lot of the FLDS don't know about it and they don't believe it. The ones that follow it or believe it are the ones that were taken to Texas with Warren, and they were very discreetly told about it. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. But as far as blood atonement, it's just an idea that's never been used. It's never been executed. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there would be some people that would disagree with you that it hasn't been <laughs> executed, but, but of course, as far it, as I know. There's, there's no absolute proof, but there's been some strange things that's happening. Uh, I know Warren Jeffs did talk about it before the FLDS, before the YFC Ranch uh, was be, had begun. I know he had talked about it and warned that there would be a time that that would be put back in place. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. Um, I read a book by Sam Brower. He's a private investigator. Uh -huh. And he said a lot of things that I had no idea was even happening about the temple in Texas. Uh -huh. And they had a, an incinerator down there. But nobody ever said what it was for. Yeah. But he was very—he was pushing blood atonement very hard. Yeah, I, he was starting to preach it. I know that. I heard, I heard one of the people say that. He was uh, intimidating the engineer and trying to get the the incinerator's temperature up to five thousand degrees. Oh, he bought a huge um, thermometer—or not thermometer, but uh, thermostat for that—with uh, a high temperature. Yeah. Uh, control on. Okay. What about? Let's talk a little bit about the property. Um, all the polygamy groups have followed Joseph Smith and Brigham Young in the United Order format. Does the FLDS allow any members to own personal or private property? Um, yeah, they can own property if they can afford it. But as far as Colorado City and Hilda, Utah, that's a big land trust uh -huh. that was given to them by the state um, many years ago. Uh -huh. And Warren Jeffs somehow wrangled it and got control over that and then he sold it out for a huge amount of money and he basically sold out his whole people and then he took the money and went down to Texas and bought that he ranch. Bought that ranch down That's there. how he got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By mm -hmm. selling out his own people and then yeah. handpicking them. <laughs> so so and, that, and that's interesting that the FLDS does allow private ownership then. Private property ownership. Private yeah. business ownership. Oh yeah. Yeah they do as much as they can to, to succeed so that they can build up their church. Yeah. Kingdom it's interesting. <laughs> the Kingsu group doesn't allow the private ownership, and they do all they can to build up their kingdom, because they're the only true kingdom, by the way. I don't know what <laughs> Warren Jeffs taught you, but <laughs> each polygamy group's the only true church. Um, but because they are following Joseph Smith more closely, more clearly, obviously, but um, they don't allow it. I mean, it's true um, united order. It truly is where everything goes into one big pot, and and of course uh, the the people who own the pot are the ones that get all the money, and everybody else yeah, they suffers call, in poverty. 
they call it the storehouse, but it, it's just a form of communism. Mm -hmm. And with the bad economy and with the feds closing in on their food stamps, they've had to resort to homegrown food and a communist system to survive. Mm -hmm. A homegrown food's not bad, but the way they the way they divvy out the goodies is yeah. is not very. It certainly isn't fair by any by any means. Okay, it looks like we have a call coming in here. We have Scott calling from Bountiful. Hello, Scott. Hello. Um, when I was about uh, twelve, I uh, just couldn't. Uh, I was kind of forced to go to church, the mainline uh, church, and I just couldn't buy buy into it. Um, and uh, being raised in this culture, I, I got a lot of guilt and, and uh, stuff. And I just want to offer some uh, encouragement to Carlos because he's got probably a hundred times more of that than than I ever had. And uh, keep striving, man, and uh, take it one day at a time. And, and uh, sounds like you're doing good, but I want to wish you the best. Well, thanks, Scott. That's all I had. Thank you for calling, Scott. That's great that you called to encourage him. Appreciate it. Mm, bye. Let's see, you've had two encouraging calls tonight. <laughs> people are interested, and they are interested in people who come out of polygamy. I think we find that a lot when we come on the show. Um, and I thank you for coming and sharing your story as well. It's, it's pretty well known that Warren Jeffs forbade the color red uh, in the community. That's one of these crazy things that he did. Why did he forbid it? And do people, now that he's in prison, do people wear red? No, when I was a little kid, we were told that red was bad. And I didn't learn why till I was a little older. And it was because the Savior was going to return in red. And it would be dishonorable to be wearing red if he came back. Oh, really? So the Savior was going to wear red when he came back? On his return, yep. To represent his blood that he spilled. So that is why the color is banned. Oh, interesting. And then Warren Jeffs used that as a perfect cover and drove an SUV that was red he did, when he didn't was caught. He? Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of followers were scratching their heads, but apparently everything that Warren does is revealed by God, so there's no questions. Yeah, well, and the Bible says when Jesus comes back, he's gonna be wearing white. Oh. He is going to be wearing white. <laughs> oh, so that's new. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we don't have to worry about the color red uh, for, for sure. Um, and there's also some reports, and again, we don't know um, if this is for every home or just a home that someone came out of, but uh, she said that uh, the FLDS mothers are discouraged from hugging and kissing and showing affection to their children. Is that true, or would that just kind of be depending on the home? Um, it could be true. Currently, um, the way that I grew up, a lot of the mothers were jealous of the other children from the other mom. That was about the biggest issue. I, I honestly don't know if they've changed that much to where they don't hug their own children, well, but that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it, do I've, it does. I've been out for six years, so. Well, but, but while you were in it, there was no, no There problem. was not very much affection. No, not affection. There's no time for that when you got 15 kids. Yeah, but <laughs> so. they weren't forbidden to show the affection. No, they're not forbidden. No. no. Okay. Well, that's good to know. At least that that doesn't. Let Let's talk a little bit very quickly about um, the issue with the blacks. Are they prejudiced? Are they still prejudiced in the uh, FLDS polygamy group? The children are raised from a young age that the blacks have been cursed, but I don't think their prejudice is real. I think it's just one of their beliefs, mm -hmm. because I I was very racist 
because I was taught that way, but I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. And I look at it, everyone as the same, so. Okay. Well, it looks like that we are out of time. I want to thank you so very much for sharing and yep. for coming and sharing with us. You know, if it hadn't been for Joseph Smith and his contrived revelation on polygamy, uh, there would be no Mormon fundamentalists today, and there would be no Warren Jeffs, and there would be no Kingston polygamy group, no Allred polygamy group. There would be no other polygamy groups where abuses take place. And of course, there would be no television program entitled Polygamy, What Love Is This? We continue to receive some harsh emails from some of our viewers attacking us because they say we're attacking the LDS Church, but that isn't what we're doing. We are attacking Joseph Smith's false doctrine for polygamy, um, for salvation polygamy. We also receive emails thanking us for the information that we give and for helping many people to search out and find the truth for themselves, and that is our purpose. Jesus told us that the biblical scriptures is our knowledge for eternal life. Yet this culture rejects those very scriptures that teach us how to get into God's heaven. When we read the Bible, we discover that it's all about Jesus and nothing about church membership. It's nothing about polygamy and it's never about our own works on how to get there. Uh, it's all about loving God. It's not about loving our church. When we read the Bible, we can see that the, the focus of the Bible is Jesus and that's it. It's about his works for us so that we're, uh, we're not required to do works, that we're supposed to trust him and only him uh, that has, who has done his works for us already, not on our church. In fact, Jesus said if we trust anything or anyone but him, we're not worthy of him. So where does that leave polygamy? In only one place and that is in the dust in the serpent's mouth. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.